Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC Drop Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome Kim Meltzer with us. She is the beloved COD mom, also known as the mom of esports, but even more importantly, and very excited to, to dig into this, CEO of Destination Esports. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, John, it's awesome. I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a while. I'm excited too. And we, you know, we recently got kind of reconnected on a phone call and I, I felt like it was one of those where you could just talk all day, you know, if we didn't have other things that we had to hop to. But you and I have never met in person, but just that rapport and you get a vibe for somebody and you're just like, man, this is a good person who I'm surprised that we didn't become best friends much earlier. And that's the funny thing about esports too, because honestly, we should have crossed paths. And as big as this video game industry is, it's it behooves me to to really like think through how many people we meet all the time and how much travel we've done. And and yet we talk about who we're mutually connected to, whether it's through LinkedIn or something funny like that. And you're like, you don't know that person. And you're like, yes, I do. I've known him for 10 years. You're like, how? Yeah. How did that happen? Right. And here we are. And it's just hilarious, but it's nice to know that at least in 2020, even though we can't travel and do anything, we have these capabilities to to keep up and not let this stop us from you know continuing the conversations and having the fun, even if it's kind of one dimensional at this point. But I'm so ready for 2021, even if it's not perfect. Oh my goodness, me too. And we're we're almost there. We're almost there. So almost. I, I just you know can't wait for New Year's to to happen, and everything will magically be fixed. Right? We'll see. 100 percent. Well, let's talk about the birth of COD Mom. Not your birth, but the birth of <laughs> this name, how this came about. Tell our audience how your first gamer tag came about. Oh my gosh, it was the funniest thing. Now that I look back, it's really funny. And we're just about to see the launch of Call of Duty Cold War. And it's the direct sequel to Call of Duty Black Ops 1. And that was 10 years ago. And that's what really kind of throws me when I'm reading stuff wow. on Twitter and I'm talking to my friends at Treyarch and and I really got to grow up with with Call of Duty. So the idea of it was that I came out of the hotel and hospitality industry working with high-end Fortune 500 and 1000 companies and one of the meetings that I got to oversee was with Donna Graves from Encompass. And there was just something about her. Like you said, there's just those people that you walk into your life and you're like, there's something about you. I'm going to keep in contact yeah. with her. And about 2010, I was you know, kind of looking to do something. I wasn't sure what that was. So I wrote her on Facebook uh, Messenger at the time back then when, you know, it was kind of cool and now it's just a pain. <laughs> and uh, turns out that she actually allowed me to be a part of her team to create the travel and hospitality and build out the component of the press junket for Call of Duty Black Ops 1. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge three-dimensional activation that included Sikorsky's that were flying over to Ojai, which was where I had built out the, the hotel and hospitality experience. And I had just left Ojai. So it was near and dear to my heart. So they didn't know what to do with me going from a salesperson. And now I'm like the client. So it was rather hilarious. But in that transition of bringing in 50 of the top press giving them their own experience, both from a single player and multiplayer. It wasn't until we all gathered in the multiplayer experience 
and I'm just taking care of them. That was my job. I wanted to make sure everybody had an amazing time and activating everything they needed. And towards the end, after I listened to them humming for hours on end, because they were all playing it, one of them took a break or a couple of them took a break and, and there were pods of four that they would play against each other in this ballroom that was transferred into or transformed into this amazing experience. And they were like, okay, come on, Kim, let's go play. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't played since Atari. Like I have never played Call of Duty. This is hilarious. So they sat me down and I'm holding my my controller and I can't get my thumb stork to save my life. And I'm shooting the ground and I'm shooting people. And I, it was hilarious. So just after that, they said, what's your gamer tag? And I was like, gamer, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, what's your name when you play? And I was like, dude, I don't even know. I don't have one. I haven't played. This is all new to me. And I don't remember who it was, but it was one of the press. He said, you know, we're going to call you the COD mom. And it was there that this just kind of kept itself. And nobody even like challenged me over the years. And I was just became the COD mom. And next thing I know, I was still working with Encompass. And now I was doing the new esports experience and the championships. And then in going from press to uh, pro players, and I was overseeing all the pro players at that time. And so it stuck. And I'm to this day still part of the COD mom community. They, they won't let go of me. They keep me there too. That's amazing. It's like you just, you naturally stepped into an open space that you filled per- perfectly is what yeah. it sounds like. 100%. And I had no idea. And mind you, I only say this because it's more the irony that my mom died when I was 13 and I had like the mm. super mom. So for me to come into this legacy 50 years, you know, 51 years now, and and to be that mom that people look up to, like, I couldn't be more honored. Like that, that's just a gift that I will have for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's so cool. And we have such a young industry in two ways. I always say it's, you know, it's still in the growth phase, you know, about 20s, 20 years old, you could say, but it's also a young industry as to not only the people who participate as fans, but the people who run the industry and the people who play as pros. So just a lot of people thought, without a lot of life experience. And so you get out on the road or you go to some tournament. I remember my early skateboarding days going on tour. Boy, I definitely need a mo- needed a mom in my <laughs> life. I didn't know. Keep you out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. And you know how to do just the little things, right? That as you, you know, you get in your thirties and beyond, you're like, okay, like, yeah, I, I think I could take care of myself, but 17, 18 year olds who were experts in playing a video game, you know, there's not much else in life that you've experienced at that point where you can really take care of yourself. And and I bet that was so appreciated that you came to these people's assistance. Yeah, it was something that just came naturally and nobody really even knew that it was important. And even to this day, my team and I, we've just created something that's very simple to us because of our hotel and hospitality background. It just came simple to create an environment where you felt comfortable and at home. And with pro players, especially now, we wanted an effort to be made that they came and they were spoiled, but it wasn't a spoiling where they couldn't function. It was more of, I'm going to take care of you to the place where you can just focus on competing. Don't worry about anything else. By the way, I'm going to listen to you. If you have a need, I'm going to ask you up front so you can actually have a real conversation with somebody who really cares and isn't just there for their paycheck, you know, and that just became a signature and why I became the esports mom for that reason, because I was working with, you know, pro players from multiple gaming opportunities and, and titles. And, and it was just, it was phenomenal. I will never, ever regret any of that. 
Well, I bet it's been so cool over the years to see how these guys have grown up. So who were some of those pros back in the day who we still know today? We probably see in roles as owners of teams or maybe broadcasters or some of those guys who you were first interacting with way back then. Well, you know, it was funny, optic gaming and, you know, you have denial and you have all of those first runners, right? So Hector Rodriguez, Mike Rufio, Nate Mm -hmm. Schott. Dylan, I'm calling them by their real names, obviously, you know, all of those guys are, are now dads or run organizations or are true businessmen. And I have to tell you, like when we did the first esports, they didn't even have jerseys back then. Optic, I think might've probably pulled it together and envy and a couple of them, but, but those guys weren't, you know, owners, they were players. They came in just like everybody else and had to learn the system. And so I have special memories that may or may not be shared, you know, shown or shared, you know, based on the fact that I haven't talked to them in so long, but I will tell you, I have such a great plethora of treasures of moments that they were part of and growing yeah. through the first phase of COD. It was an amazing time. Well, and also the fact that you were, you know, you have this, you, I don't know, I don't want to say non-endemic because, you know, the hotel and hospitality industry is very endemic, but it's not uh, gamer owned and operated, I guess you could say. From that point 10 years ago to now, how have you seen that part of the space change? Is it Has it changed much or has it remained kind of the same? I think the biggest thing that I had to really overcome and still overcome is that we are broken down into a very different, I call them verticals from the hotel and hospitality industry. Verticals would mean corporate or entertainment or pharmaceutical. Like we would design it to be who is our client in that, right? Hotel and hospitality and the and the venues and the hotels in general, they didn't understand esports and they still don't because they want to classify it under some category. And unfortunately in the video game industry, we don't classify well. Right. So I had to teach the whole concept of if, and this has been my kind of coined term, but funny enough, I would explain to them esports is basically this it's corporate America, it's entertainment. The two of them don't talk very well to themselves, let alone each other. They, they just have this kind of butting heads kind of concept. Right. And they decided at one point to almost intermarry two very dysfunctional experiences. And in that, interaction, they created this thing called esports, which is the baby of both the corporate and entertainment world. Mm. And it's in there that we also add the fan, you know, fandom of it. And this is where the problem lies because they're still to this day starting to realize that that esports is a very lucrative client, but they don't understand how to like capture something so big and so out of control. And we, unfortunately, as an industry are so unique that we don't make sense and we never will unless you truly, truly like myself or someone like you who, who's been in the de- depth of it, understand that there's more than just one concept to esports, And it's really just an event. That's all it is for video gaming. Yeah. And I think people, they see the big numbers, the big global numbers, and they see the investments and they think, oh, traditional sports, this is, you know, rinse and repeat. And I always say that Esports makes gaming sponsorable. And one of the big reasons for the popularity in esports over the last four or five years in the US is that brands, their agencies, and traditional sports groups 
they look to East or they look at young people and they say, what, what are young people doing? They're playing video games, right? They're not watching right. traditional TV. They're not watching traditional sports. What are they doing? They're playing video games. And then they say, oh, esports. Have you seen that picture of that arena in Poland that's full? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, more people are watching this than the Super Bowl. No, no context given, of course. And, but then they see the sponsorable assets. They say, oh, wait, right. there's teams and there's leagues and there's tournaments and there's jerseys I could put my logo on and there's content that I can, you know, inter- integrate with. And yes, it's so they, they're like, oh, I know this world. So they take their NFL strategy and they apply it to COD or whatever, right? But right. obviously it requires much more tact and context and strategy than that. But yeah, it is very much square peg, round hole. And people just have a brick wall in their minds when it comes to understanding how to integrate with the community. I'm very thankful. I think I'm one of the people who understands it pretty well and and you do as well. Correct. And it's just years of experience. I mean, if somebody came to me 10 years ago and told me what we're doing now, I could see it as a vision back then. I didn't know exactly how that was going to unfold. And I wish I knew then what I know now, because surely I would have changed a lot of different perspectives of how I would have trailblazed even further into the concept of what was going on because I had that privilege back then. And now I'm kind of fitting in in a bigger picture, but I'm still kind of sitting as a cornerstone because of the fact that I do know a lot and I do know a lot of people, but that doesn't make me the right for everything. It's just, I'm the mom. That's the best figure. Like I come in and I can say, you know, you have two brothers and these two brothers aren't going to do well together, but if you're going to play nice in the sandbox, this is how you have to play nice in the sandbox, right? right? There's a lot to it. Well, I think in addition to just understanding how the ecosystem works and who the players are, is the mindset. It's a community first mindset and it's it's putting others before yourself or before your company. And I, that's just such a foreign thought to a lot of people. And I think a lot of CMOs and a lot of CEOs have been the smart, you know, they're the smartest one in the room, right? They're the, you know, surrounded by yes right. men and there's a term in corporate America, strong and wrong <laughs> with leaders is you just say it with confidence 100%. and people follow it. But I, I think that's, you know, that's a mindset that I think that you have, you know, as a mom and as COD mom is just looking to the needs of people. And I think they just, the community responds to that so well. So tell me, right. tell me this, I know you've been a part of so many different events. So I'm curious just with your, your different memories and experience, if you could pick up one or two of the most memorable stories from an esports event, what immediately comes to mind? The, the first one truly was my reckoning or, or awakening of pro players and the level of what was out for them. I had the privilege to work with Dylan Price or Attach. He and Clayster were on denial. That was the year that they beat Optic and then took the championship. And Dylan was only 17, hadn't even graduated. He was a senior that year in yeah. high school. And his mom was 100% behind him. And Kim is just one of the most amazing moms, if you want to call her a pro player mom. And she even has her own Twitter. But when I was there and they had won, you know, Dylan had no clue what his next steps were, nor did his mom. They just knew that this was huge. He, he had taken home $100,000. He had taken a championship. He was finishing high school. 
you know, his high school didn't even know why he had left, you know, for the time period from his classes, but he had to like get approval to leave. And, and here he is in the most amazing setup that any pro player could ever ask for. And I had the privilege to sit down with both of them and without even knowing really what was going to happen, just talking to Kim about the, the presence for her to be a support to her son and what things were about to happen and how Activision being such a high level company, you know, works with a PR team and they had a lot of requirements for Dylan and, and the denial team to move forward. And, and each of those steps were going to build and bridge out even more to what they are, you know, what's happening today. And, and it was so amazing to be able to sit there just from a common sense perspective and say, hold on, this is not over. This is just the beginning. Yeah. And I look at where Attach is now and, and how supportive his mom and family are and where he's come. And it's just like one of those rewards that isn't really mine, but I got to be privileged to be there at the right place at the right time. And that will always be one of those that I will always chalk up to being an experience that is like no other. And at the same token, I've had so many kids. I think I've raised over a thousand pro players over eight gaming titles. And I think wow. that watching them now and, and watching the simple, I came in to see if I could be a pro player because I want a competitive cha- you know, opportunity to work for a championship to they, they could be doctors now. They could be completely different. And, and I get to keep up with them every so often. And I'm just so proud of them because they've been amazing kids. Everybody just chalks us up to being these kids in a basement somewhere and they're playing video games. There's some really incredible gamers out there that nobody even knows who they are and what they do, unless they're just a streaming presence that is just so great, like a ninja or Dr. Disrespect that you get to see them every day. So you kind of grow with them, but there's a lot of, I would say infamous kids out there that, that truly are, are behind the scenes and, and it would be amazing to talk with them, but that those are the rewards for me. Truthfully, it's, it's the the kids and the parents. That's really interesting because I, I think especially nowadays, that's a much more common thing where you've got a really young kid, junior, senior in high school who is having opportunities to chase this thing. And what I love about how our industry is growing and I'm a little concerned about the volatility being so dependent on sponsorship revenue and all of those things, but that there's a little bit more of a path forward. And for, for people sure. to have vision to say, wait, this you know can be a thing. One of the things that I respect so much about Hastro and, and Hector are that you know when they were doing their things 10 years ago, you know, when you're getting into it, there wasn't that path, right? And Mm-mm. attached, no. you know, he came probably right as that path is starting to become slightly opened. And then now, I think you have uh, Booga from Sentinels when he won the Fortnite World Cup. Mm-hmm. That opened a lot of yep. minds. But what I love too is it's similar to traditional sports, but I think it's even more robust is the opportunities in esports beyond being a pro player. And what I would advocate for all of these kids, you know, who, who do want to pursue this is, yeah, go as hard as you can shoot your shot at that pro player opportunity, but also be aware of what you're in the midst of and what's going on around you. Because some people could go through that experience and then just fall off and never have any life skills because they had somebody taking care of them, you know, doing everything except the gameplay. And then there's other people who it's like, wait a minute, 
you've been around broadcasting. You've been around production. You've been around marketing. You've seen how influencers, you've seen how you're managed as an influencer. And so you have a better idea of how to manage influencers. And if there's one thing that I'm super thankful for in my skateboarding career is I was never a top skateboarder. And I think I went a little further because I understood sponsorship. I was a good sponsored rider versus thinking I was cool enough to get free stuff. But I paid attention to what was around me. I like when I was at the the new skateboard company in Orlando, I, you know, was acting as team manager for part of the time and and understanding what went on in the business. And the same at this first skate shop. And just I think there's I'm thrilled, but I also would encourage young people, you know, have your eyes open to the broader opportunity beyond being pro. Cause even if you're a top pro, like any traditional sport, but you know, it's a young man's game. It's it's gonna come to an end. Yeah. And you're gonna wanna be able to have a jumping off point to continue to succeed. Absolutely. And I think too, the shout out too is I'm noticing now more than ever that we have divided, you know, the guys from the the girls or the men from the women. And we will come to terms with that because I can tell you being a part of a discord channel that I don't get to be a part of very often, but when I get on there, there's over 200 women of esports. There yeah. are a plethora of really unique individuals, both from the male and female side of things. I think that with the opportunity, hopefully that I get to be a part of next year, building out a real ecosystem that's going to engage all gamers, both amateur and pro and in between parents and, and finding a balance where it's back to where we were before gaming was really popular. It's what do you want to do with your life? What excites you? Where's your passion? How do you become a asset and not a liability? Nobody teaches. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my focus for 2021 is that I want to open up the door to teaching. I want to give people the right resources. So we're all equal in this. And that if you're smart enough to open up an organization more power to you, but let's get you to a point where you're successful and that you're not taking somebody else down to get where you need to be. I think if we all become more collaborative and not competitive in the sense of non-gaming, you know, esports tournaments or things sure. like that, but on a real business level, I think that most of us will see that there's enough money to be successful, but we certainly have to be much more aligned to that. And even amateur gamers now, and I get to talk to so many that have parents and I'm, I'm, you know, mentoring them to the best of my ability, being open to hearing the community and giving them an opportunity to speak their mind. These are the things that I want to focus on next year. And, and I think that we'll be amazed at how much is really out there that we really haven't tapped into. And like you having to find those sponsorships and doing what you love doing. It, it was so much a joy for you. You didn't wake up and think, God, do I have to do this again? It was, yeah. I can't wait to get back out there. It's got to be light. Oh, maybe it's dark, but oh, well, I'll kill myself, but it's something I want to do, right? Well, gaming's the same way, just like anything. It's a, a passion, but it's much more than the screen in front of you. That's just one aspect of it. And I think we've piecemealed so much of it that nobody knows how to like think about it from a holistic standpoint. So that's going to be the big things that are going to be coming is that you got to educate in order to really get people to the place, both gamers and non-gamers, parents, brands, everybody needs somewhat of a, of a formula and an ecosystem without putting it in a box in a way that the creative doesn't get broken down. And I kind of call it creative structure. 
that's my that's my coin term that I'm taking with me, um, whether it's trademarked or not. Too bad, but but that's really you know that's where we're at in this in this environment. There's so much out there, but nobody's organized it. Yeah, and in part, uh, that's a little bit about you know what we're trying to do at the Esports Trade Association. Ultimately, that comes to helping to improve the business practices of the esports industry. But relating to your point on women and I think also minorities is relevant as well. But, you know, back when George Floyd was killed, I wrote a a column in our monthly newsletter regarding that incident and, you know, esports. And the Minnesota Rocker did such a tremendous job of raising money and supporting building awareness. And I did a lot of research. I talked to a lot of friends about the newsletter because I didn't want to say anything the wrong way. Such a right. and be very conscious of, you know, having my mindset be what should be said. And what was really opened my mind was the need for vision for young people to say the first thing is vision because right. people have to know that there's an opportunity. And it's very unlikely that somebody's the first one to do something. Right. And so, you know, championing these women and minorities in the gaming space, in the esports space, not just the pro players, but the team owners, the CMOs, the broadcasters, the videographers, to show young kids, I think junior high is probably about the right age to say, this is possible. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is developing people now that they know there's opportunity. So through high school, how through these programs, every high school is trying to figure out what does esports mean for my school, right? How is this beneficial? And there's STEM and there's STEAM, but I think you could go a little deeper right. in those things. But helping to develop those skills to the point that when kids are ready to go to college or ready to just join the workforce, whatever they decide to do, that they are in a position for an internship and, and to be right. somebody who can contribute you know, I, I built our our board of ESTA not too long ago. And, you know, part of that focus was really diversity. It wasn't, you know, you, you can't, you don't want tokenism. You don't want people just to be able to check boxes. You really want different perspectives and different backgrounds. And I was shocked how difficult it was to mm-hmm. build a diverse board. And it was, it really shocked me. But when you talk about esports and women, I think that relates that, you know, there there are a ton of women out there who are interested in gaming, who are gamers themselves, and also who have tremendous skills, you know, to, to be on the business side as well. And I think that'll grow, but I think it requires being purposeful with it and championing these women to say, this is your space. 100%. So speaking of this journey that you're on and the, the amazing things that you're doing, so tell me a little bit more about you have this all whole other side of your career and your experience that has to do with interacting with non-endemic brands, the human experience integrated with the digital experience. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. So one of the things that was really cool about working in the hotel and hospitality industry for the 25 years that I did that was I I've done over 500 events in my career and they have been anything from Warner Brothers sales meetings to, you know, pharmaceutical companies coming in and launching their next big drug, right? Whatever that is. And so I've seen some of the best in the business. 
And I noted that we are very one-dimensional in video gaming and we're starting to become more three-dimensional. Yeah. And yet the community has really not been heard to the level that it has. And so what I felt that my calling was in 2020, now that everything kind of went to, to the side with live events was we'll get back there, but there's, this is an opportunity to build a, a path that allows everyone to walk equally. And I think that it mm. shut everything down to kind of reboot. And for me, my goal having built out Destination Esports with my co-founder, Jamie Oakley, was let's find a place where we can educate, we can build out destinations, we can build out esports. Our goal first and foremost was to build out live events so that the destination could actually learn how to hold an esports event that made sense from both a hotel venue and a, in a sense, leisure, meaning the fandom, you know, coming together as a, as a threefold experience, no matter where you went, what you did. And with that same concept, then when that went kind of haywire in the beginning of this year, I realized that we still have to engage with the community and we're not doing a very good job at that. So I want to listen to the community. I want to build out everything from the experiences that they have from a one-dimensional gameplay into a human experience that they can take beyond that. Something that like our COD experience that we had when we were flying Sikorsky's for those 50 press and bringing them to Ojai and and, and kind of unfolding this gameplay and this interaction that they'll never forget. That's still being talked about. COD XP, which 2011, when we had every aspect of the game in real life, practical form, was what woke me up to the realization that we can do some really cool things. Epic's doing a pretty good job with Fortnite. They kind of have tried to open it up into more than just a one-dimensional experience. There are opportunities and it takes money, don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. For me and my position, I think what I'm trying to do is organize it all so that I am not the end all be all, but I'm going to be the one that's going to always stay the, the one that can question and ask the right things to the community and be the advocate and help brands that are non-endemic really understand what they're trying to get into. So they're not just sponsoring. These brands come to me yeah. all the time. They're like, we're tired of the word sponsor. Can we get rid of that? And I said, I'm working on it. I want yeah. partnerships that make sense. But Again, at the end of the day, it's 101 for marketing and sales. Like you can't do sales without marketing and marketing without sales. There's got to be something right. that gives them a true sense of being and that they really are impacting, you know, the community and they don't even know them. So they're just throwing things out there, hoping and praying that these pro players can, can take on a lot of responsibility that they just don't have the capability to do. We're hoping that we can change that impact. And, and the brands that I'll be bringing into the fold here in 2021 are going to be very methodically done. Nobody really knows what I've been up to in 2020 because I really didn't feel like I needed to shout from the rooftops and say, hey, I might have this brand. I didn't want to do that to anybody. I want it to be integrous and honest. I want the community to be involved. My goal with this new brand that I'm working with, the community gets to be affected right up front. They get to have their say in what it is that we're doing. They're not going to be the last ones to be heard. They're going to be the mm. first ones so now we're going to have a plethora of all aspects of the gaming industry uh, part of this, not just one or the other. League of Legends, they're doing an amazing job. Riot has taken it very high level and they've always been high level. And to that, I, I just have such a, an appreciation and a love for them, just like Epic, just like Activision and Valve. I mean, there's been a lot of high level games out there. And now you've got a lot of little guys that are out there trying to hang on for dear life and they need to be heard too. Yeah. So. 
So you'll see me kind of playing a different role from not just the esports mom, which I'll continue that, but but from a strategic standpoint where I'm going to impact things that you wouldn't even think about. Photography. I mean, name some of the craziest things that don't make sense. And I'm working with individuals who are like, I really want to get into this. Cool. And I'll have real honest conversations with them and say, does that make sense? Let's talk with the community. Let them make that decision. Do you fit or do you not based on what you want to share? What are your services? So so these are the things that I'm involved in almost daily. It doesn't mean it's coming to the table right away, but I get to be in the conversation. And I think that's been the greatest true gift of 2020 in the midst of this ridiculous COVID pandemic. And God willing, with everything going on in America, that we can stop beating down people who are different and, and really truly embrace each other, regardless of whether we think the same or not. It doesn't matter. We've got to come together, especially this gaming community. We need to be the people we were before this election. And we need to be even better now that we're past this election. And, you know, and globally, we're working with everybody, Singapore, Asia, Scotland. I mean, there's there's not a gamer that isn't somewhere in this world that is really, really important to the ecosystem of esports. And and I'm praying for a a miracle next year, but we'll see. I'm one person just going to keep knocking it down as best as I can. Absolutely. Well, I think you hit on something really important there, which is listening. And you could, you know, especially at the end there, listening to others, right, to unify and to understand each other. But when you talk about non-endemic brands and working with teams in esports, some of the best who have crushed it have just asked the team they're working with, what should we do? And part of that is, you know, you, you also need to know who you're partnering with. I know I know Optic pre-Infinite, you know, had a, had tons of success with non-endemic brands. Turtle Wax is always my favorite example because I just yep. love how a brand that you wouldn't think belong belongs integrated into the non-gaming behaviors of the audience through the pro player influencers' passions, which was luxury cars. And, you know, they did, I also love the example with Optic of what they did with Brisk, you know, smooth competition. And I got a little bit of behind the scenes look there because when I was at GameStop, I had a lot of talks with Dan Ciccone and Hector and their whole team. And I remember them saying, you know what Brisk did? That category manager came to us and said, what should we do? You tell us what to do. And that manager got so many promotions because it was so incredibly successful. And they just listened to the community. You know, and of, of course you need to have your your own business KPIs and you have having you know in mind the priorities of the business, but that can absolutely be accomplished by going to the to gamers and say, what do you want? What's missing? What's whack? What's cool? What should we do more of? And it it's really not that hard. I think it comes back to that mindset of community first. Right. And I think to add to that and giving Hector a lot of kudos, man, I watched it from the beginning. I knew he would be very successful because he was starting to figure it out as we were building caught out, you know, more into the 2015, 2016, and you'd see it building out. And and for that, I'm really proud of him because he's not only a dad and a, a husband, but he's a very successful businessman. And for that, I have to give him a lot of credit. But I will say that the difference now that's most important with the community is you can't just go to the community. You you have to be somebody that they trust. You know, that's the yes. part. They want to see authentic. They want to see someone who's been, you know, scarred with the rest of them. They, they want to know this person isn't going to take advantage of them. And I think that's one of the things that I hope is a signature for me too, is that 
I will always look out for my gamers and I will always look out for my pro players and, and the parents and the people, because at the end of the day, they're going to fail if they're not being overseen and watched over and given the opportunity to be an asset and not a liability. And I think that's where you see success and failure in esports and in video gaming alone is that if they trust you and you really are authentic, the world is yours. But if you yeah. come in and thinking you're somebody you're not, they'll wipe you out in two seconds because they won't put up with it. They don't care about your money. They don't care about your products. They want somebody who really does believe. And I think that's going to be a big change, hopefully, as we grow and these gamers grow and they start taking on more roles. You know, got to be real because if you start playing somebody, they'll figure you out pretty quick. And if you pretend to be authentic, they're going to know. I always uh-huh. say, you know, authenticity is not a tactic. It's a mindset. Like, like if, if you're in your board meeting and you're saying, how do we be authentic? You're already not. <laughs> 100%. Right. And, and young yeah. people, you know, young people have grown up with advertising and the more you have of anything, the more demanding you become of it. And so because young people have, you know, been marketed to their whole lives and there's no lack of brands trying to get their attention, they're like, okay, I know I have the leverage in this situation. You need me more than I need you. So now we're going to play on my terms. You know, who is going to enhance my experience? You know, who cares about me? And I think something that I don't think a lot of people realize, I actually just was speaking about this not too long ago, and it comes from my skateboarding background. But I think our lack of trust with brands is not even so much about them coming in it's about fear of them leaving when they get what they want from us. Exactly. And as we've gone through these processes, you know, people like yourself who have been around for a minute have seen it. Okay, X brand comes in and they fund something and everybody gets excited and everybody has jobs and pro players are winning and getting a salary. Well, and then, you know, a new CMO comes in and cuts that program, they leave and the dollars are gone. And now everybody's out of a job and the pros have to go back to school or you go back to grinding the way you used to without making any money beforehand. And then another brand comes in and then you have it happen again and then they leave. And then by the time the next brand comes, everybody's already sitting there with their arms crossed saying, man, we'll see, you know, what do you want from me? Yeah. And then even the younger people who have not experienced those other things, it's just developed as a culture, the skepticism, right? right? And so the OGs remember it in person. The young people just naturally have it because it's part of the culture. And so while it's difficult to ask a brand to give a long-term commitment on something that's not proven, I think the better word from than commitment is consistency and Correct. a long-term plan. Because if you do it the right way with the community first, you do it consistently over time, then you will be embraced. And the beauty of this wonderful community is, is yes, they're skeptical at first, but when you win their trust rightly, there is no other community that will champion you and embrace you and it's loyalty like you'll never see. I mean, 100%. Everybody knows about the DHL example. I mean, in what other community do you have, you know, fans chanting the name of a logistics company in right? the middle of, you know, we're not at Cowboys game chanting Albertsons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. 
And so it's so cool to see. And I, I think it's, it, and it's, I don't know, there, there's just so few people who, who also just understand the needs. That's one thing that I, I think one reason I really gravitate towards you is I understand some of the needs of the community and you really, I think even a deeper level than myself, see what gamers truly want and need and then fill it in a way that's meaningful to them. Absolutely. Well, for me, and, and you know, we had a podcast for uh, an unbelievable woman who decided to create a think tank for business and technology for women. And there were men on the panel and it was very exciting. I got to actually speak with the CEO Bentley of all people. Like oh, it wow. was a really unique opportunity to that's meet cool. him. But but what number. I found in this, you know, it will. That's if he's right. I know promo we cars. I don't know what his promo budget's like, but if he's needing to yeah. place cars in the right, Dallas right. area. Right. I, know, I mean, I Bentley, come on, you know, it was all good. But, but what I, what I thought was so unique is that I think the mindset of why women and men work really well together for the right reasons is that not all men are analytical. Some do have emotional intuitive capabilities and the same with women. Most of us are in emotionally intuitive, but not all of us are. We, we have an analytical side. And I think that the bottom line for most corporate America that have CEOs who are male-minded is not bad. It's just their bottom line. What's the bottom line dollar? How is this going to move the company? Do we keep our jobs, right? That's their first and foremost. Sure. For me, it's quite the opposite. I'm not a multimillionaire by any means. I lost you know, opportunities to make a lot of money in this industry, and I chose that people were more important than the financial dollar. And that's why I'm still here 10 years later, because it came down to what does it mean for these relationships and these people that I've had the, the privilege to cross paths with? And, and I'm not going to stop just because I met you once. We're sure. going to have a lot of conversations and, and I'm going to be there when your girlfriend leaves or when something goes wrong, or if there's a, a female gamer who's struggling with something that's very personal, I can have those conversations because I can, I can understand and appreciate. And if I can't, I'm going to find the right person who's going to be able to support that. And I think that's the uniqueness of difference between men and women and the way that we handle business is that we want more of the relationship first. What we used to do 25 years ago, yeah. right? When we, when we did business, it was about long-term relationships and all the money showed up because the relationships were built on trust yeah. and everything just happened. And I think that's the real reversal that we're going to come back to in our old school way of thinking. And I'll never stop that. That's just inbred in me, unfortunately. Well, you know, I think a big term. part of it too is I saw it up close and personal with GameStop just being a public company. Nothing mm -hmm. against GameStop, the company, but just being involved with a company that's publicly traded. Correct. And the entire focus was financial. And that's people's criticism of GameStop is you're so transactional. All you care about is selling me games and also you're not going to pay me much for my trade-in and you're going to price pre-owned really high, which is a whole nother thing. Right. But we have this perspective, I think, involving the stock market and maybe the rest of our lives too, that things will continually, infinitely grow. And that's just not how stuff works. And so yeah. my hope is, as we've had these continual record-breaking stock market you know, rises, I'm, I'm not a financial guy, so you have to forgive me for the terminology. But, you know, is realizing that it's okay not to try to squeeze every dollar out of everyone. And what's more important, in fact, when I look at partnerships and negotiations, I'm a big advocate 
of absolutely great, get a great deal for yourself. There's no apologizing for that. Understood. But leave a little on the table for your partner. You know, and especially I've seen it time and time again where a company or an industry has all the leverage at one point and they squeeze every bit about everybody, everything from people who have to work with them. And guess what? There comes a day sooner than later where you don't have the leverage anymore. And the people who had to work with you don't. And not only do they not have to work anymore, but they've been waiting for this moment and they're incentivized to get away from you. And when you need them, they're not there for you because you were not there for them when you had all the, all the leverage. That's right. And so I love to share that with, with people just on partnerships, just like the willingness and, you know, yeah, try to get great ROI, but to, to maximize it to the absolute nth degree to where there's nothing left for anybody else. You know, I think in this community, esports is strong enough and it's a big enough community that as we spread things around, you know, you talk about being complimentary versus competitive. And I think that's really strong and it, it goes a long way. It builds relationships and you know, you also never know who you're going to work with. hundred percent. hundred percent. Next time. Yeah. And it's, and it's not about, you know, again, it's, don't, don't break bridges, right? Don't burn bridges. It's a long-term relationship. It's hard. It really is hard. I mean, even this industry, you know, I have scars from many different things that I've attempted to try to be a part of and whether I succeeded or failed, it didn't matter. I just, I always walked away with dignity and I always walked away knowing that I had to learn a lot in the process, but you know, my, my, perspective is I hold the bar here and I don't know anything else but here. So it's difficult for people sometimes to come to the table because they're like, well, she's only going to do it this way. So therefore, you know, I can't deal with it. I would always say, you know what, come to the table, talk through it. If it's not going to work, that's fine, but at least be willing to ask the right questions, have those conversations, see what it entails. Because at the end of the day, if it's not good now, it might be good later, or that open door may have never Mm. happened if you didn't just try to ask the right questions, right? You That's never a good know. Point. Yeah, I I learned through through my career what's a no today could be a yes tomorrow based on something Absolutely. that that changes, you know, and to to keep those relationships and I think viewing the human connection above just the dollars and the cents. One thing that you know, it's been a while since we've been doing physical conferences, but I remember being at the Esports Business Summit last year and it's so funny because you have all these dudes that look like they're checking each other out because uh-huh. they're they're actually looking at the name tag. Like they look you in the eye and they look down to your name tag, which is about waist level that has your name and your role on it. And right. one of the the saddest feelings is when somebody does that up and down and then they walk away and it's like, oh, I didn't pass the test. Oh, yeah. and But it's like, do I want to be connected with somebody who's only like, yeah, you need to drive. You're here to make relationships that are going to build business, of course. But when all you're looking at is a role and, uh, you know, and the company title, man, that's a short-term game. That's not the long-term game. No. And be a woman with that same situation where I'm speaking at like the, the summit meetings and our esports business summit and, 
And it's so funny because I may not speak right away, but I'll walk around. Right. And, and again, yeah. you get sized up regardless, unless people know who you are. And I've been yeah. fortunate to at least been known by, you know, several people, but when I speak, and then I come off of it. It's a whole different conversation because now all of a sudden they're like, oh, you were one of those speakers. And it's hilarious because like that wasn't the same concept of what you said like an hour ago. Uh-huh. So why all of a sudden am I good now? But I wasn't good an hour ago, you know. So it's it's kind of funny how you, you really do see authenticity now more than ever. And honestly, 2021, everybody's going to be grabbing for whatever they can get. And you have to True. be really smart about what you do. Because yeah. people are going to be excited to get moving. And as long as you keep it methodical and integrous, there's nothing that's going to go wrong, you know, and that that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. On that point, too, I had another really interesting experience that was a huge perspective shift for me. So when I was at GameStop, I got pitched by everybody because they gave me a fancy title and people thought I had a lot of money to spend. Right. So I'm just, <laughs> I mean, getting more emails than I could even keep up with. Fortunately, I knew that was the title and the company. It wasn't my, I didn't, you know, fall in love with the, the, the inbox situation. But then I went to PRG and where my role was then to pitch people to do production. And so people like the esports arena guys in Arlington who are good friends of mine, mm-hmm. they were pitching me at GameStop and it just wasn't a fit. So we didn't do a deal together. But then two weeks later, I'm going to them and I'm saying, hey guys, who is your in-venue production partner? And what that opened my eyes to was good thing I wasn't a jerk to these dudes. You know, if I wasn't, if I was like drinking my own Kool-Aid, I'm like not giving them the time of day or just being rude. Man, when I'm pitching them, you think they're going to take my call? Not a chance. And so what it made me think of, and I do this all the time now when I'm talking to people, and yes, time is valuable. You can't take every call. You're, it's not, and you know, I'm not saying take a deal that's not great for you. But what I am saying is evaluate, change your roles when you're talking to somebody in your mind and say, if, if our roles change tomorrow, based on how I'm treating this person today, would they take my call? 100%. And that, when you think about that, it's like, oh, let me at the very least be respectful and kind, even if there's no reason from a business standpoint why I'd have the conversation and I, and my time is limited, you know, at least be a kind and respectful person. Well, and that was something I learned being older now and being kind of the older gamer, I guess you want to call it that. When I was mentored by some of the best in the business back before gaming, they said to me, Kim, all you have is your reputation. That's it. Mm. That's it. It's the only thing you can take with you no matter where you go. And that reputation will either keep you alive in your career or it will take you down based on how that, you know, how people believe in you or don't believe in you based on that. And so when you come with that concept, along with, I remember being trained as a concierge at, at the Anaheim Hilton, and we're talking a really big convention hotel. And I remember being trained and they say, Kim, there's no such word as no. Okay, well, how in the world do you answer a question if there's no such word as no? How do you work around that? And to yeah. be trained at that level, being able to always have an answer to something, even if it's not the perfect answer, has taught me how to be probably who I am today because mm. I may not always have the yes answer, but I'm going to find a way to make sure that we figure it out, even if it's a different perspective on the same conversation. You know? Yeah, I had a similar lesson 
at an agency. I was a producer in the content studio. And, you know, it's not, you know, the Hilton at that level, but what I was taught by the head of the studio was when someone from the team asks you a question, even if you have no idea what they're talking about, you say, yes, absolutely. Let me get back to you and we'll figure that out. 100%. And then you go and you rush and then you, you know, <laughs> maybe you're trying to Hair put out a fire. fire, but at least you have the confidence in that person and you do the work to then deliver. 100%. Well, 100%. let me ask you one more question, which I'd love to get your perspective on because you have such a unique experience and both the endemic side and the non-endemic side. And so what I love to ask each of our guests is, what do you see as the next big thing that's coming whether it's 2021 or maybe it's further out, but what is something people should have on their radar uh, to be aware of in your industry? That is a multifaceted loaded question, but I will say that from my perspective alone, my goal is to A, listen to the community and figure out what it is that they see as, a, as the next steps to their lives and their livelihood. I think the, the next step is getting ready for live events again, but not in the same token where it'll probably try to repeat itself, but I think there'll be a lot more to work with. So you're going to have to really take the time and evaluate what you're doing. I hope to be that uh, response to the destinations as well as the tournament organizers and the next steps that I'm trying to prepare for Destination Esports. I really want it to be an all-inclusive holistic experience so that everyone is equal in walking away from that opportunity, just like a COD XP, just like the experiences we had back in the first parts of the esports and experiences. We just had a really cool opportunity to see, like I said, the, the digital and the human convergence of experience. And I think that people are going to want more as much as they're going to be excited to get on the plane. They have to know that, that it's not just that easy anymore. Like when you do something, you really have to plan it and really experience it for what it's going to be and have less expectation, but more excitement to understand mm. that, you know, we can't just expect everything to happen just like that. It's, it's not instant gratification anymore. I feel like people have all the opportunity to be whoever they want, but I think they have to be honest with themselves. I think this is a time where we've lost a lot of people to this pandemic. We definitely have, you know, gone back to a one digital friendship conversation where we're doing more Zooms and things of this nature. Yeah. But I just feel like everybody has to step back and take an appreciation of being thankful for just the simple things. Mm. And then when they get to experience something that's really what they want, they have to be grateful and come with a different perspective. Financially in business, we're going to move on in ways that we're going to collaborate like we've never done before. But competition will absolutely be there. You still want to make your money but it's going to be based on working together in real partnerships that people are really going to actually have joint ventures that make sense rather than yeah. just throwing a bunch of money at a wall and praying to God it sticks. I think the world is going to be much more together than it's ever been because of this pandemic. And I hope and pray that even with whether it's going to be, you know, a tournament in China or a tournament in America or, or UK or wherever that everybody comes together and takes care of each other, especially mm. in our industry, even better than we did before because we're going to really need that love and that encouragement and letting people be authentic and not worry about whether, you know, there, I, I know so many gamers who are depressed and so many gamers that are down and we don't even have resources that are proper. We have to be each other's advocates. We're not perfect. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days, but I think we really have to focus on each other this next round and stop worrying about where the dollars come from. I think those will just be automatic. Like they used to be back in the day coming from that swirl of good and bad 
companies need to be honest. They can't put a million dollars into something and expect they're going to get 10 million out of it. It's not going to happen. You know, they have to be realistic for sure. But I think gaming is just going to keep going. I think we're just going to be a lot smarter and hopefully knock on wood, you know, that, that we will have the capability to allow the the advocacy, especially from my perspective, to be able to ask the right questions. And I hope and I'm working on trying to do my own talk show, you know, just revealing it here that it'll be a place where everybody can come to the table and it's a safe place and that we can give the gamers what they need, no matter who they are, no matter what clothes they wear, no matter what game they play, everybody's an equal. And that to me would be the best thing I could give coming into 2021 is making this a real reality. That's great. I love all that. Well, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to plug? Any ways that people can get in touch with you in the ways that you'd like? Yeah, I've been mainly LinkedIn. You know, I'm found there through on a business level. It's just easier and then I can interact. Twitter, I'm Kim A. Meltzer. I do have esports event mom, but I've kept it kind of there. I haven't really used it a whole lot because we're not doing anything, but it's still there. And, and, you know, a lot of people have myself, but, you know, basically get in touch with me first. And then based on the conversation, I'm usually open to, you know, interacting and having real conversations. I'm still the mom, you know, for the gamers and those that are just struggling, like, it's just a text, man. Just at least say, hey, I need some resources or I need help. I'm always open. May not have all the answers, but you know, I'm not gonna quit being the the esports mom for a reason. So I mean that's that's it. You know, financially, I would love to make millions of dollars next year, but that's not my priority. I wanna I wanna do the right projects and take care of the right people and make sure everybody gets what they need. So that's amazing. And I know there's so many people in the community who are thankful for you. And I'm super thankful for our conversations and you taking the time to join us. So thank you again for joining the DLC Drop podcast. And I think our audience is going to love this one. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri podcast network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. 